The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Hey there, church. Excited to be back in the book of Philippians today. We took one week off last week. If you didn't get a chance to watch that message, please go back and do so. We, we launched an idea within our church of circles, making sure that you have people in your inner circle of your life that are pushing you towards God, that are helping encourage you in this crazy season. Really, really want you to go back and listen to that message. Sign up for circles. Be a part of what we're doing as a church to make sure that we stay connected during this time of really a lot of isolation. But we're jumping back into Philippians, Philippians chapter three. We're actually going to finish it today. Uh, When we jump into chapter four, things are going to really slow down. There will be weeks where we look at only one verse because there's just so much there in Philippians chapter four. But we have the last four verses of chapter three today. And just to recap where we've been uh, in, in chapter three thus far, Paul has said that, hey, there are true believers out there. And these true believers, they are going to believe in faith that they are the Lord's, that that is where their salvation comes from. They know that they're not having to add anything else to their faith, like circumcision or works or the law. They just know that they are saved by grace through faith. Those are the true believers. And as Paul finishes that section, he's going to say, hey, now the other thing is that true believers are going to live a certain way. Their life is going to be dictated by certain actions and things. They're going to look like Jesus is basically what he's going to say. But there's a problem. See, there are enemies of the cross or enemy of Jesus. And these people even maybe claim the name of Jesus, but they do not live like him. Their lives are marred by their their own inabilities, their own sinfulness. And and they're, they're maybe claiming Jesus, but they have no livelihood that looks like him. And so the way Paul sets it up is he goes, there's friends of Jesus and there's enemies of the cross or of Jesus. And today, as we look at just these few verses, the question's very obvious. Which one are you? Are you a friend? Do you live in such a way that when people look at you, they see Jesus? Or are you an enemy? Do you, do you live in such a way that when people look at you, they, they see evil, they see the, other, the things of this world? And so that's what we're going to unpack today. Um, and what Paul starts off by saying in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, is he says, hey, do what I say and what I do. Do what I say and do what I do. Philippians 3, verse 17, it says, join together. And following my example, brothers and sisters, the true believers, and just as you have us, Paul and his companions, just as you have us as a model, a model of Christ, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Watch, look, model your lives after Jesus. But since you don't get to see Jesus, then go ahead and just look at me. As a parent, I find myself oftentimes saying, hey, do what I say, not necessarily what I do. I tell my kids it's very important to, you know, to eat healthy. You know, you're going to need something green on your plate as I put down my fourth piece of pizza and there's nothing green at all on my plate. There's a lot of times as parents, there's a lot of times in life that, that we have to say those things. Hey, I, I, I'm telling you the truth. Don't necessarily watch me. Don't necessarily do what I'm doing, but listen to what I'm saying because what I'm saying is true. Paul understood this. You cannot teach these kinds of biblical truths and then not live them. You can't make these claims and then not follow through. And Paul says, hey, if, if you can't know exactly what to do in every situation in life, that, that's okay. But you can look at me. 
You can model after me and, and my companions, those of us who are living for Christ. You can see in us a way of living that is important and good. He talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 through 17. Paul writes this, he says, I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as, a, as dear children. Even if you've had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel, a spiritual father, a mentor, someone to look up to. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Do what I do. For this reason, I've sent to you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. You, you can do as he does as well, because he's my child. He, he sees it in me and he imitates me as well. So you can look at him. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere and in every church. I come in and I speak the truth to you. I tell you what it looks like to live a life for Jesus, to live a life that models Jesus. I teach you that and then I model it for you. And in my absence, I will send others who have learned from me and they will model the life of Jesus for you. You can look at me. I remember the first time I taught on this verse. It was actually in a staff gathering of so other pastors. And I was like, hey, when we look at verse 16, and when we look at that and see that Paul is saying, hey, if you want to see Jesus, just look at me. That's all you got to do. You don't have to look any further. If you want to see Jesus, look at me. I remember walking through that and going, I have to get this. If I'm going to claim to be a teacher who's going to be held to a higher standard, my words cannot just be words. They cannot be hollow and empty. They need to be backed up by actions. I need to live out what I teach, the truth of the word of God. I need to live that out. And Paul says, hey, I'm doing it so you can look at me. I think all of us, I think all of us need these spiritual father figures, people that are a little bit further down the road, people that we can look up to and emulate. Now, this has nothing to do with gender, these can be men, these can be women, but they are people that we know are showing us a path of righteousness, are living out how to do it. They can walk with us and teach us. They're, we're learning principles from them by the way they live their own life. We're not just hearing about the importance of discipline. We're seeing discipline in their life. We're not just hearing about the importance of showing grace and receiving it yourself, but we're watching them give grace and receive the grace of God. We're not just being told how important wisdom is. We're seeing wisdom lived out, dependence upon the Holy Spirit. It's so easy for someone to say, hey, you need to trust the Holy Spirit. You need to just listen to him every day, but it's so much better to watch someone live dependent upon the Holy Spirit and see how that life looks different than my life. Unconditional love, service, giving your life away. All of these fundamental lessons to the Christian faith, they can be taught, but they're much much more profoundly learned when they're witnessed, when they're seen, when we're seeing someone and we're going, I, I want to be like that because that person's like Christ. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I want. And so I just ask you, do you have someone like that? Do you have someone like that in your life? I can tell you that the seasons in my life when I've had that person have been much more rich have been much more fruitful in my maturation, in my growing as a disciple, in my learning to look more like Jesus. Because sometimes it can be so lofty, the, 
the pragmatic side, the practical side. How, how do I live it out? It's so much easier when we can just see, oh, that's, that's how you live that out. That's good. I, I, I see that now in context and, and how they're doing it, how I could do it in my life as well. There's an idea within teaching, specifically within medical schools. You've maybe heard this before. Within a surgical training, it's, it's this. You need to see the procedure done once. You need to then do the procedure yourself. But then the last step is you need to teach someone else how to do the procedure. And so that takes months, right? You're, you're watching, you're learning, you're doing it yourself and mastering it, but then you, you're not really completely proficient until you can teach someone else behind you how to do it. I think our spiritual life is exactly the same way. If we wanna live like Christ, if we wanna look like him, there's someone out there who's probably already doing it. Paul's saying, hey, look at me, look at my companions. That's all you gotta see. There's someone out there doing it, so we need to model after them. We need to learn from them. Then we ourselves need to live that way. But then the best way that we can grow into Christ's likeness is then turn around and show others or teach others how to live that kind of life. That's what Paul said. I, I do it because I'm a friend of the cross. I'm a friend of Jesus. I, I want to replicate him. I want to honor him and glorify him in the way that I live my life. But there's some out there who are enemies, don't be like them, Paul says. Don't be like the enemies of the cross. Their lives don't look anything like Jesus. Philippians chapter three, verses 18 through 20. For as I've often told you before, and now I'm telling you again, even with tears as I write this, many people, they live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny, it's already determined. Their destiny is destruction because the way they choose to live their lives, it's not gonna get them anything. Their God is their stomach and their glory is actually in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but not for us, not for friends of the cross. Our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there who is the Lord Jesus Christ. A friend or a foe, do not be an enemy of the cross Paul wants there to be this constant reminder. Do not allow yourself to fall away. Do not allow yourself to become contaminated by the things of this world. I've seen it that sometimes, yes, people fall hard and fast. But far more frequently, what I've seen in my life is that people just gradually wander away. Further and further from the Lord they start to slip and slide. And before they know it, they're miles apart. In youth ministry, one of the number one things we tell our students, hey, pick the people you surround yourself with very well. Those who are gonna have the most influence on your life, it's important that you pick those people well and that they model and live out things that you want to model and live out in your own life. Why? Because the people that we're around have so much power and influence on us. And that truth is not just for teenagers. I can't tell you how sad it is to see people that I know have walked with the Lord for years, but they start to surround themselves by circles of people who think like these enemies, who, who focus on the things of this world, whose God is their stomach, whose their glory is their shame, and they start to surround themselves with these people. And next thing you know, those people start to rub off. Now hear me, every person on this earth is fearfully and wonderfully made and loved by God. And so we cannot just put ourselves in a bubble, but we have to surround ourselves by people who are influencing us to live for God, to live like Jesus. 
And when we do not have those people in our lives, when we've chosen to surround ourselves by people who think and act like this, it's going to have a negative impact on us. The people we associate with have power, power for good or evil. And that we need to choose wisely. That's another reason why we wanted to start this idea of circles. Picking a small group of people who are going to sharpen you. Because you're all pursuing the same thing. You're all being encouraged towards Christ's likeness, towards discipleship. It's so important to have those people in your life. Those that are modeling for you and with you what it looks like to live in this way. If we have friends in our lives whose God is their stomach, meaning these people do whatever they want, whenever they want. It's self-gratification. It's selfishness. Nothing else matters. I am hungry, so I go after food. I want this, so I take it. There's no restraint. There's no resisting. It's just whatever drives them that day. That is their God. Their glory is their shame. They take pride in things that are actually shameful. Do you know anyone like this? Someone that actually takes pride in shameful things like to advance at the expense of someone else. They boast in that. <laughs> Made it over them. Thank you for letting me step on your back on my way to the top. They manipulate people and things for personal gain. That's shameful, but they boast in it. I can close anyone at any time. I'm just selling. That's what I do. I manipulate in advance for personal gain. They cause harm to people and find pleasure in that. It brings them joy to see others who are hurting and weak. They lie, they cheat, they steal, they hustle. They do this and they boast in it. These are the things that they rejoice in. These are the things they glory in. What Paul says is their glory is actually shameful. It's shameful, but these enemies of the cross, they're everywhere. They're even in the church. And Paul's saying, keep watch. Paul literally weeps as he writes this, knowing the power that these people have over the children of God. Knowing that we must be wise and to surround ourselves by people who only think or set their minds on earthly things, to surround ourselves with those people who are not seeking the Lord and glorying in Him. It's only going to be a matter of time. Only going to be a matter of time before that rubs off. Paul talks about this in Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, about the secular and temporary things that drive these people. He says this in Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. You need to set your hearts on things above, because that's where Christ is. He's seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above not on earthly things. Your heart, your greatest desire, your passion, Jesus, your mind, him. Not the things of this world, not the temporary things. You have to ask yourself, what do you love? What do you dream about? What motivates you and drives you? Is it the things of this world? Is, is that what motivates you? Is that what you dream about? Is that what you lie in bed at night and think about how you can have more in excess? And is that what drives you? Or is it heavenly things? Is it good things? Paul will talk about this in the fourth chapter of Philippians, verse eight. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, 
whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, then think about such things. Do not set your mind on earthly things, but instead on heavenly things, on pure things, on admirable things, on notable things, noble things. That's what we think about. And then surround yourself with people that pursue the same things. In our culture, especially in our affluent American culture, the idea of keeping up with the Joneses is a very real thing. We see the things of this world, the material possessions, and we covet those because it seems like it makes life better. But in reality, and you can all attest to this, when we look across the street and we covet and we want and we desire the things that the Joneses have, it actually robs us of our joy. It robs us of our joy. Why? Because comparison is the thief of all joy. So then because we're more sad now, we go, I've got to get that. If I just had that, I would be happy. But the reality is, because the Joneses know this, the reality is you can have all of that. And without him, without God, it's meaningless. It's futile. It's not going to bring the joy and the satisfaction that you think it does. That's why Paul is weeping, going, their destiny is destruction. Their outcome is already sealed. Don't be like them. Set your mind on things above. That's why in verse 20, says, friends of the cross know where their citizenship is, know where they're to live. Even though they're here for a temporary amount of time, their mind is already in heaven looking at the prize, the world and all that's in it. They know it's temporary. This isn't the prize. There's, there's nothing you can win here. Our inheritance is sealed and waiting for us where moth and rust cannot destroy. And while we're here, we're, we just eagerly await the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. We eagerly await his coming so that upon his return, he will transform everything. He'll restore it back to its original created intent, the Garden of Eden, the good, wonderful, walking with God, talking with God, where there is no more sickness, there is no more disease, there's no more tears, there's, there's no more hate. We wait for that. We want that. But in the meantime, as friends, we model Jesus. We set our hearts and our minds on things above. Jesus will come back, and when he does, all things will fall under his authority. All the messed up stuff in our world, all of it, church, all of it will be subdued by his great power. And then we, we, his children, will be perfectly transformed into his image. He says at the last verse of Philippians chapter 3, verse 21, because of Jesus, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, he will transform our lowly bodies, our broken, sinful bodies, so that we will be like his glorious body. We will perfectly be like him. What a glorious day. What an amazing prize that will be. And what motivation, at least for me, what motivation to live today as a friend of Jesus to live today as one who wants to model Jesus for others. 
because that's the prize. That's the hope. That's the glory. We strive with the help of the Holy Spirit to model Jesus for others so that when they look at us, they don't just see our flawed bodies. They see an image, a reflection of Jesus. And we rejoice knowing that even though we're not perfect and never will be, there's a day coming where it's all gonna be worth it. I don't obviously spend a ton of time in the gym. In fact, I haven't really been in the gym in seven years. But as someone who has had some moments of success, those months of getting up early, eating right, going to the gym, when you reach your goal, when you've transformed your body, it's worth it. It was worth the work. It was worth the sweat. It was worth the discipline. It was worth it because you saw the result. And I think what Paul is saying here is, you need to choose. You need to choose today which result you want. Do you want the results of discipline and grace and service and sacrifice? Do you want the result of modeling after Jesus and living life for him, setting your mind on things above? Do you want the result that comes from that? Because here's the result, here's the prize. One day you will be with Jesus, perfectly transformed in his image, in his presence, and that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. You have to choose today, do you want that? Or do you choose today instead to, to live as an enemy of the cross? To live as one who sets their minds and their hearts on the things of this world? who desires things that are temporary, who, who wants the immediate self-gratification, who wants the easy path. You've got to choose. And obviously I'm making it seem like the choice is so obvious. You've got to choose Jesus, right? Now, oh, there's, there's stuff in this world that's very tempting. There's a lifestyle of ease, There's a lifestyle of selfishness and sinfulness. It's very attractive. It's very attractive. So while the choice should be easy, I know that it's not. But I pray that today, if you have chosen up to this point to choose to be an enemy, that you will repent. You will turn from that way of living, that way of thinking, and you will ask Jesus to begin to restore and renew and transform you into his likeness. He will do that because he loves you and he wants that relationship with you. And then for others who you are choosing and have chosen every day to be a friend, to to be one who shows Jesus in their life, I pray that you look for opportunities to become that model for someone else. Because yes, it's great that you glory in him, but the most beautiful thing is when you help others glory in him as well. And so today as a church, I pray that we would all look more like him, that we would all choose to be friends of the cross because God chose us. Father, thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Thank you so much for the model 
that he is for our lives. Thank you for putting people in our lives who look like him so that we might be more like your son, Jesus. I pray today that for those of us who've fallen way short, Lord, that we would ask that you come and forgive and restore and change and transform us from the inside out. And that we would look more like you so that God, the world might see you in us and glorify you, Father in heaven. We love you and we thank you. We love you and we thank you. We ask you to move mightily today. It's in your name we pray. Amen.